When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I'm Mike Templeton. And this week, we're going to be covering episodes 7, 8, and 9 of season 3 in the 1987 series. That's Burns Blues, The Fifth Turtle, and Enter the Rat King. Some might say the best three episodes of season 3. I don't know. I, I don't know who those people are, but I think some people would say that. Someone somewhere <laughs> probably someone says that. said that once. I haven't seen enough of season three yet to uh, <laughs> to That's be able to dictate whether they are the best three or not. So you know, That's like, the argument it, you're going with. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was interesting to go back to these ones. Um, Burns Blues, I barely remembered. Fifth Turtle, I think. I think all of us '87 kids remember Zach. Um, and Enter the Rat King. I mean, Rat King makes how many appearances in the entire show? Like, his first episode is always going to be memorable. Yeah, because it's, it's the one that established everything. Like, you know, you had that that pipe, or the the flute that hypnotized Splinter. You know, that's a weird flute. It's like a space flute. Like, it's really more of a clarinet. But I was gonna say it's like a clarinet, yeah. piccolo kind of thing. Yeah, the good news is, though, is only three more episodes of this, and I've finished my first season three DVD. After our next episode, there you go. We'll be a fourth of the way through this season. Oh, man. There's still so much. <laughs> oh. I know, only a fourth, a quarter of the season is done. Usually, like, when you put stuff in perspective, it's supposed to make it better, but like, <laughs> you just crushed my whole day. Like, you still got. We still have so much of the season to go. Goodness gracious. I'm sorry. I, I, I thought I looked at it as a positive. To me, it went by a lot faster than I thought it would. Yeah, so. you know, it, it, really, it really did, though. Like, you know, if we hadn't been jumping back and forth between this and Mirage, like, it would have gone a little faster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, but it did go by pretty fast. Like, we're already at episode nine after these three, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a, a comment on the quality of the season, just the quantity of the season. There's so many episodes. Well, I mean, that is also the thing is like the, the quality of the season jumps all over the place. Mm-hmm. Some of these episodes are really good, and then and, and then you get Burns Blues. Oh yeah. goodness. Yeah. But I don't know. My I don't want to be too negative, but I need the comics to jump in between. <laughs> Otherwise, I would kind get of a, out. a palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. a little bit for me. I, I gotcha. I gotcha. I mean, yeah, it's it's nice to kind of jump back and forth between like two very different versions of the turtles. Mm-hmm. 
We can't start with all the negatives though. We have a whole section for that later called anchovies. Right now, well, you know, just, yeah. How about we? How about we tell some stories first? Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I'm, I won't get into the specifics till later. Let's tell a story. Perhaps I can best explain the story of my young friends and I is really the story of a man named Hamato Yoshi. All right. So I'm teeing us off with Burns Blues, Season 3, Episode 7, originally aired October 3rd, 1989, story by Bill Wolf, written by Gordon Bresick. So there's a heat wave in New York, and the Turtles in April are eating pizza at Wolfgang Plink's, the bougiest pizza place in town. A group of crooks tries to hold up the place, but the Turtles are able to send them running with some well-thrown pizzas. April does a report on the incident, but Byrne is upset that there was no footage of the actual turtles. He reminisces about his days as a reporter and sets out to find the turtles. He and Vernon go into a seedy neighborhood to find a lead, but run across a mobster and some goons who kidnap them. Meanwhile, April is looking to do a story on why every AC unit in the city is out and finds that every unit in a 10-block radius has been serviced by S&K refrigeration. April and the Turtles split up to find the place. April finds SNK first and finds Bebop is working there. Bebop captures April and takes April to, to meet up with Shredder and, and Rocksteady. And Shredder calls Krang to let him know that they have enough Freon for Operation Ice Station. Shredder's been stealing all the Freon from all these AC units. Krang now mentions that Freon won't work for Operation Ice Station and sends him to get Nutrafreeze instead. April is able to open a canister of Freon, which leaves a trail the turtles are able to follow to the Nutrafreeze warehouse. At the warehouse, the turtles confront the bad guys. They trap some foot soldiers on a part of a chain link fence and incapacitate Bebop and Rocksteady. Rocksteady's horn pierced a canister of Nutrafreeze during the fight, which freezes Michelangelo solid. Splinter uses April as bait and freezes the rest of the turtles with some more Nutrafreeze. Meanwhile, uh, Burn and Vernon are being tickled tortured by some mobsters. They're like using feathers on their feet, right? The reporters don't talk because they don't know anything, uh, but the mobsters are ready to kill them anyway because they know too much. Another mobster comes barreling in with, with a limo, and the current mobsters run off. Uh, the mobster that just got in with the limo is Don Tritolini, mistakenly thinking that Burn is looking for him, not just turtles. His mobsters threaten to tickle torture the reporters some more. Shredder, back at the warehouse, Shredder takes off down the sewer with all the Nutrafreeze, leaving the frozen turtles at the warehouse. Burn and Vernon are thrown out of Don Turtolini's limo, limo right at the warehouse, which is convenient, right? Since Burn's been looking for the turtles, and now he's right at the warehouse where the turtles are. Suddenly, Burn and Vernon are lifted into the air by a beam of light and abducted by a flying saucer. Now the ice encasing the turtles starts to melt and they're able to break free. Shredder and his goons find their two mutant modules in the sewer. All the foot soldiers go in the rear number two vehicle with Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady, and the kidnapped April in the forward number one vehicle. As they're on their way back to the Technodrome, they notice the turtles in pursuit on their cheap skates. The second vehicle fires a missile backwards and Shredder thinks he's killed the turtles with the missile, but they've actually made their way in between the two machines. That vehicle in the back fires another missile forward, which then hits Shredder's machine. With the module incapacitated, Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady eject and get away, and the Turtles are able to rescue April before the second vehicle collides with the first, destroying both modules and exploding all the Nutrafreeze. 
The Nutrafreeze makes an artificial winter with fresh powdery snow all over New York. Now, if you remember earlier, Vernon uh, and Vernon were abducted by aliens, right? Uh, They're they thoroughly scanned and presumably probed. And then the alien abductors take off their helmets of their spacesuit to reveal that they look like Elvis. Uh, turns out they also have feathers and also want to tickle Burn and Vernon, just like the mobsters did. After their alien experience, Burn and Vernon are deposited back on Earth in the artificial winter. Burn goes on the news that night to show April what great journalism looks like. He instead rants and raves about Elvis Presley aliens. The end. It's kind of ironic. I could use some Nutrafreeze. It's 90 degrees out here in California tonight. Oh, man. That's crazy. Definitely use some Nutrafreeze. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's perfect here. It's like a solid like 70 degrees today. It's been nice. Oof. Yeah, it's it been a nice tepid 65 today here where i'm at pretty nice yeah 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 <laughs> i just gotta remember like earlier this year it was like negative 40 so <laughs> this is like our good week man well i'll talk about my episode now i got the fifth turtle it was written by francis moss aired on october 4th 1989 the day right after burns blues so Suddenly, a kid dressed like them jumps in out of nowhere to help and gets in the way. But luckily, they end up scaring the muggers off. He's This kid is named Zach, and he's a huge fan of the turtles. And he ends up taking Raph's turtle comb when he, no, uh, when he notices it on the ground because it fell out after the turtles have told him off and told him to leave him alone and to, to not jump into the middle of trouble like that because he's going to get hurt. While all this is going on, there's a massive planetary alignment that is going to happen. And this planetary alignment is going to produce a light that can charge some crystals that will power the Technodrome. But of course, some of the things they need are in a planetarium on the surface, so Krang sends Shredder to go and do the job. April gets a report that Shredder is breaking in and calls the turtles. Zack hears and shows up to help them too. Then he gets in the way again, and because he gets in the way, the Shredder is able to escape. But before he leaves, Rocksteady spoils the plan and gives the Turtles a lead. They tell the boy off again, and he disappears. Zack is able to track the Turtles back to the lab using a special paint he put on the floor of their van that they stepped in to follow them all the way back to their lair. Splinter is totally cool with it, apparently, and praises the kid for finding out where they lived. Zack returns the turtle calm. They then proceed to show him around the whole lair. Zack also shows them a great loud annoying sound he can make with the turtle calm he returned with his detective bag. So after he's done hanging out with the turtles, they make him promise not to interfere anymore. So then he leaves. We now cut to the Shredder, who decides he's going to kidnap Zack and use him as a hostage. So he sends Bebop and Rocksteady to kidnap him. They fail, but they reveal their plan in front of Zack while he's hiding. And they reveal that there's a trap being set for the turtles. So he feels like he has to now go and warn the turtles. So he goes to the planetarium to wait and then gets captured. After figuring out where the Shredder is, the turtles show up 
but are forced to surrender to protect Zack. Zack remembers the obnoxious noise he can make with the turtle com, and so he takes the turtle com and he makes the noise. It breaks the crystals that are being charged to power the Technodrome, and the turtles use a piece of it to cut their ropes and escape. The shredder runs away. The turtles return to the lair with Zack and make him an honorary turtle and give him a turtle com. The end. Riveting. Oh boy. Yeah, Zach. Zach's got a legacy in the yeah. turtle fandom. Mm-hmm. What a kid! What a kid! All right, the next, the very next day, Enter the Rat King, written by Buzz Dixon, and original air date October fifth, nineteen eighty nine. After Byrne is attacked by some rats on his way to work, he demands that April do an editorial on the city's rat problem. The turtles are also experiencing rat issues since one of the rats somehow managed to eat an entire pizza mix they had in the cabinet. And after April uh, visits them, rats chew through her tires and chase her and Irma down the street. Before the broadcast, the lights cut out and April, as she runs back in to give the editorial on the city's rat problem, she vanishes without a trace. She's been kidnapped by a mysterious sewer-dwelling man known as the Rat King who has taken an exception to her due to her unflattering descriptions of his rodents. He throws her in a cage and demonstrates his ability to control the rats with his special pan flute. Splinter joins the turtles in searching for April in the sewers, but then he starts to hear the strange melody that causes him to act oddly. The Rat King, upon hearing from April that Splinter is a rat, intercepts him and in the sewer brainwashes him into attacking the turtles. All four of them are unable to stop Splinter, partly because they're reluctant to hurt him, and Leonardo finally pleads with him to come to his senses. When Splinter is unable to fight off the Rat King's influence, Leo declares that he won't defend himself against his master, but tricks Splinter into attacking him and breaking a large water pipe behind him, sweeping away the Rat King and temporarily breaking his hypnotic hold on Splinter. Splinter is deeply ashamed of having attacked his students and doesn't want to accompany them for the, uh, for the rest of the mission unless he gets taken over by the Rat King again. Meanwhile, April escapes the Rat King's cage and makes her way into the danger keep out area of the sewers. She quickly comes across the turtles while the Rat King finds Irma, who's deduced that where April was being kept the turtles and April rush to rescue Irma, but after she stomps on the Rat King's foot, one of his soda pop cup bombs is dislodged and detonates. The Rat King and the turtles flee in different directions right before the ceiling caves in. Later on, Splinter says that he's expecting them to battle the Rat King again and someday. And Donatello shows them that a trap he's devised for the Rat King, only for him to be humiliated when it backfires. The end. Wah, wah, wah. Did in by your own machine. I, I realized I should have let in without soda pop bombs because it is kind of a random thing. He had he literally has soda cans strapped to his chest. Yeah, that's strange. I I'm just surprised that Donatello is so good at doing machines, but then got caught by his own rat trap. I mean, it just says that he does machines. It doesn't say that he's good at doing them. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't does them well. Right. <laughs> well. Let's talk about these a little bit further. Some of the some of the things that we noticed in the second time around. Hey, uh, nice junk. So my first note for Burns Blues, um, 
so the way I watch these, I watch them on like Saturday or Sunday morning, just kind of with my laptop out and just kind of sparsely take notes as I watch them. And uh, the note I have here is everyone's AC is out. I bet it's Shredder. <laughs> I must have written that like in the uh, opening yeah. scene of this. <laughs> it, it's, it's wild. It's wild that like it took them so long in this episode to get to Shredder. Yeah. Do like you... I om- I om- like I almost believed it wasn't Shredder for a moment. This is why I'm saying like I'm I'm pretty sure the turtles could stub their toe going to the bathroom in the middle of the night and think it was Shredder. Like I'm mm-hmm. surprised I'm surprised anything that goes wrong in the city isn't Shredder. <laughs> yeah, I mean I just barely realized while you were summarizing the story, like it just barely dawned on me the S and K stands for Shredder and Krang. Okay, so <laughs> it it was it was wild because it of how much they kept drilling in S and K. Yeah. S and K. I didn't notice like, it the whole episode. And then Keith oh, said S and K and I was like, it like oh my zooms gosh. in it like <laughs> zooms in on April's face both times she says it in like less than 20 seconds apart. And uh, then like got a pretty thick skull, all right. Like sometimes nah, it takes a long time for me fine. to realize something. <laughs> I mean, these cartoons are written for dumb kids, so and I didn't get it until much later. So but it was it was a big dumb kid. Yeah, I'm a big dumb kid. <laughs> it was just like they were just drilling in S and K, S and K, and I was like, Oh yeah, shredder and crank. Also, which is never... wild that they set up a whole company to do this plan. We'll talk about that in anchovies, you know, because I've got I've got a little bit more to say about that. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, all right, man. Yeah. Uh, Don Don Tertelli, uh, who I I recognized him, but not this version. Um, so Don Tertelli comes back uh, in a I think another season or two, uh, and he looks completely different. Really, but it is the, it is the same Don Tertelli. Because uh, yeah, the, the other Don Tertelli's like he's like taller and skinnier with like a pencil mustache, and this one's like Doctor Robotnik. Look. <laughs> oh yeah, he looks nothing the same. Wow, he looks very suave, but the one we saw had like yeah, the mustache exactly. coming out the no- nostrils. Yeah, exactly. Like this Don Tertelli, like is not the not the Don Tertelli we come to love later on. Interesting. Uh, don't know how many of you got it, but uh, Wolfgang Plink is Wolfgang Puck, the famous restaurateur and chef. Yeah, I just saw him the other day. He's hawking some uh, some online shipping service now. So now he's an online shipping king as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I also noticed they're, they're suddenly back in their baby masks when they're in the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, they're just, they got their baby masks again. It's on and off whenever they need them. Yeah. Why does Mikey use random Spanish words? Was that like a thing in the 80s the cool kids did? It's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird Californian thing because we are we have a huge Mexican population here. Yeah. So there is a lot of Spanish speaking in Southern California where the surfer culture is. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a thing. Um to the extent that he does it, I mean, I I personally don't use that much, you know, Spanish in my kind of back and forth going on vocabulary. 
Yeah, I can't even. I wish I would have written down what the words were, but there was a couple. Like it was there's an extra amount in this episode, and there was some that I was like, I don't know, it was a lot. You know, that's all I got to say is that it, it felt like it was very, very forced. <laughs> I can't, I can't remember what episode it was, but he says he says some, uh, he says, oh, it's Mondo Tubuloso, and Tubuloso usually means a good thing. Uh-huh. so it threw me off because the context he was using it in was was that it was bad he was calling something bad to be low so yeah there, there was something that was like like spanish spanish and i i wish i would have written it down but i was like why does he use random spanish words like there's some of it that's like surfer slang and i'm like okay yeah like the surfery but there was one in this episode in particular where i was like i've never heard like a surfer anything ever say that <laughs> well now i gotta look it up because i gotta confirm this cowabunga yeah. compañeros there we go i think it was the compañeros one i was like uh there might have been something else compañeros isn't something i've heard before i mean it just means companions you know but compañeros yep hmm. it's not really a not really a word i hear very often here <laughs> but yeah uh, really how about the reveal of the of the elvis aliens oh man that was bonkers <laughs> elvis is alive but they're all elvis aliens are they trying to say elvis part... was an alien <laughs> i mean that's that's always been that one joke? of the things is like elvis was abducted by aliens elvis is still alive because he is an alien there's a race of elvis elvis aliens oh well wow, I, I saw him in a gas station just a couple months ago yeah see <laughs> yeah that joke totally went over my head like i know there's always it's your a rumors very that... dated joke yeah like yeah nobody's really joking that elvis is still alive anymore mm-hmm. i think it's interesting i think this might be the first episode we've watched that had a story by someone and then written by someone i think neither of them wanted to take credit for the weird uh abducting of alien or abducting of burn and vernon halfway through this it's just two bonkers for and the feet to, tickling yeah and, and weird feet tickling stuff yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that was that, spread the blame there was just so much feet tickling in this episode yeah it was weird yeah I, so i looked up don turtolini why why when you said he looked a lot different there's a whole lot of fan art of him tickling people's feet there's that all right, that's information that is uh, I will never be able to purge from my memory. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Don Chatelli comes back in the Great Boldini episode, which, as we know, was one of the Burger King uh, kids meal videos. Man, I mean, I know that now. I, that's <laughs> what I know Don Chatelli from. Because <laughs> that's another one of Zach's greatest hits, because Zach the Fifth Turtle. Ooh, yeah, Zach the Fifth Turtle. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess this is the first appearance of Zach we've ever had here in episode it, eight. I, it, it's Does he wild. show back up again? I didn't. Th- oh, yeah. He shows up a couple. He shows up a couple times. Oh, great. Right. Um, I think it, it was wild to me because I didn't remember him being so early in the show. Like, uh-huh. I I thought he was much later. Uh, he's also in the Great Boldini, isn't he? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. I, I remember him in that one. Oh, gotcha. Um. Hmm. But like, you know, it's episode eight of the third season and we've already got our new kid sidekick. So, I mean, that, that was a little, that was a little weird to me. 
just because like i i don't remember him so early like the great boldini is like i think that's next season no it's later this season um it's like the very towards the end yeah be, it's, it's like episode 30 something 38 yeah um but yeah i and it's it's weird like i don't think anybody likes zach <laughs> I think we all I think we we like Zach as a meme. But like normally when they add like kid sidekicks like this, like it's because like they're trying to get kids more engaged with, you know, the show or like, you know, they add the kids, the new kid sidekick or the young kid to the family and something like that. And it's like to add this kid character so early in the third season, like is really weird because it's still like this is the Ninja Turtles. You don't need to add a kid sidekick mm-hmm. to right. make kids want to be the turtles, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, did either of you catch that? Like when Bebop and Rocksteady are looking through his closet, like that's a scene from E.T., right? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, E.T. is hiding amongst the stuffed animals. And even like when Zach is in there, there's a little stuffed animal that looks like E.T. Huh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah I totally missed that too. Well, that's, uh, why we do, that's why we do this show. Yeah. It's yeah. all these second time around things. They're fun. Has, has Crane ever made like a belching noise while talking before this episode? Because he did it in this episode, and I don't think he's done it before. I mean, we've gotten like the... Wow. Yeah, yeah, we've gotten like those, but an actual belch, no. Yeah, like, well, it's like, no, it's not an actual like burp, but that's the only way I know how to describe the noise. Mm. You know, he's just like, come on, you know, like yeah, in the middle of like what he's saying. That he's done. Yeah, like that's Krang's speech pattern. Okay, so he, he has done he, that before. I just didn't notice it until this episode. I think it was uh, probably a little more a, prominent. It's been a while since he's done it like that. Yeah. Like, okay. that's like, that's like first season Krang when he did it all the time mm-hmm. and then like season two and most of this season he's just been more like shredder mm-hmm. like it you are an idiot for doing the thing that i asked you to do but you did it badly like he hasn't done it like yeah. the warp during his speech well i didn't do anything you yeah know? <laughs> yeah yeah. It's gotta be such a fun character to voice though. Like just come in and, and sound terrible for half an hour and we'll use it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Guys, there's uh, a part in this episode when Zach is about to be crushed by something, like this big swinging pendulum thing, and April's got his, her camera <laughs> trained on him and she's like, Burn's gonna love this footage. But I was yeah. like, you can't put footage of a kid getting crushed to death on <laughs> the six o'clock news. I had that in my anchovies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, Bird is that going was... to love this footage, and she's like got her camera just happily filming this kid nearly dying in peril. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might have moved that because I had too many things in my anchovies and not enough stuff in the <laughs> <laughs> Like April's April's special. Yeah. As we've seen in these three episodes. Yeah. The only thing that was left in this one that I have to say is that there was a Ghostbusters. There were yeah, the Reference. mutant busters. You're yeah. like, who are you gonna call mutant busters? Yeah. So there was that. All right, the Rat King. Enter the Rat King. Enter um, the Rat King. I did like this better than his appearance in Mirage, in that issue that we read. Huh. Um, All right. 
uh i didn't like it much better <laughs> um but yeah i mean, just the same problems i always have with with the rat king like he's and he's generally he's he's the evil pied piper basically like yeah. it's it's not that interesting um at least to me and especially because like i feel like after this episode they never really play up the rat king and shredder or rat king and splinter connection again mm-hmm. yeah like granted because they already did it in this episode but it's like you they played their best hand and like rat king like never really tries to get splinter again so it feels a little it feels like a bunch of missed opportunities having him come back later Especially one of the reasons I prefer Splinter as a human first than a, than a rat first, because I think like this story is is so strong that the Rat yeah. King is taking him over and he's having a struggle with his humanity and whatnot. But yeah, they they kind of use it and then never come back to it in this series. And you know, and, and I and I kind of wish that like they did play on that some more. Um, but like, uh, what was it, Splinter No More? When he finally like decided I'm Splinter, or yeah, was it Splinter No More? Mm-hmm. Um, where he turned back in Hamato Yoshi and then like mm-hmm. decided like oh I'm I'm just Splinter now, um, and like I think having Hamato Yoshi's like humanity kind of poke out every now and then, um, I think that I think that is interesting, but they never do anything with it here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the first episode out of all of the episodes so far in the show to not feature Shredder and Krang. Yeah. That's crazy. So oh, this man. is our this is our first other villain. This is also the first time the Red King does like the Pied Piper thing. Like in the Mirage comics, he doesn't have the flute to command the rats at all. Yeah, it's just yeah, like he... a weird psychic thing. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't even really command them. He was just feeding them. Yeah, he doesn't even yeah, he doesn't even command them in the comics. Oh, so he books. domesticated them. <laughs> kind of rudely yeah crudely like, domesticated yeah 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 but yeah i mean there, and there was a bunch of rat puns in this episode too like you know it's april's harping about the rats and then like she she forgets that splinter's right there and he's like no offense taken yeah yeah i like yeah. that he tries to feed her ratatouille <laughs> yeah like yeah because like a ton of rat puns in this episode um I there was that funny callback too, like when they're when they're looking for April and they go to the Channel Six building, and then like as they're climbing it, Donatello's like, "I wish we had those anti gravity boots from the other episode." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that like was that, funny. But he says he says episode six, and that's not Sky Turtles. Yeah, which if you go back to our episode on that in the production order where we talked about it, it was not episode six. Right. But that's why I said I think it was produced in that specific order, which is why I think you're right. Yeah, there's a part where like April is coming into the sewer layer, sewer layer, and they mm. think it's they're being attacked, so they like they almost oh, her yeah. to stop. And I gotta wonder, like, does April almost die every time she goes to the? Well, I mean, sewer and that's layer? What, oh god, and it cracked me up, and like I had to, I had to like show my wife too because it was so funny. It was later on in the episode when they find her again. As she's walk like after she escapes the Rat King and she's walking through the sewer, um, <laughs> they all jump out at her and she's like, "You guys did it again to me!" Yeah. And Raph's like, "And we're gonna keep doing it until we get it right." <laughs> There's also a part that confused me very early on in this episode where like they're trying to stop Mike from going out to get pizza because it's raining, but when he puts his belt on, 
he has this like montage of putting his gear on. He yeah. appears to put it on and then tie it in the back, despite there clearly being a knot in the front of the thing. Yeah. Who knows how their belts work? Yeah, so now it's thrown my entire perspective of Ninja Turtle uh, clothing and weaponry completely out the window. Well, if you want to keep talking about things that throw out the window, why don't we go uh, talk about some anchovies? No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I call Legend Low. So april turns her nose up at finding why everyone's ac isn't working mm-hmm. when it's like a story that's actually affecting people's lives <laughs> like, i've said it before april's not a good reporter no no, no. she's terrible <laughs> she's the she's like she's a bad lois lane she's just not good yeah like she's, yeah. she's never really chasing a story or doing like super investigative journalism like Burns kind of got a point where he's like, I'm going to go out and do it myself. Now, granted, Burn is also very stupid. And, like, they do, like, the whole, like, 40s news reporter thing, which, I mean, I'm not a reporter, so I don't know how much of that is still accurate today. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, it, 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 yeah. It's a cartoon for kids. I'm being stupid about him. <laughs> this <laughs> reference didn't make me laugh. Is it this or another episode where like April runs in with like two minutes before she goes on air? It's uh no, it's uh enter the enter wrecking. Okay, yeah. She's terrible. She's late for work. Yes. Yeah. Never following a real story. So yeah, okay, so so that's my that's one of my anchovies for enter wrecking is um after the rats like almost kill her and Irma outside while they're running in the rain. She shows up 30 seconds before she has to go to air with the sto- with the editorial she was supposed to do. Yeah. No one is no one is like fact-checked her editorial. Like no one has you know done anything. No one no one even knows what her editorial is about. But she shows up 30 seconds from outside in the rain, no makeup, <laughs> and goes straight to the anchor desk. Yeah. And it's, it's just wild to me that, like, we, we know there's that anchor character, uh, but yeah, we never I mean, see him outside of, outside of, like, when he's doing the news and April's not in the news building. Like, is he more than just a head? We'll never know. <laughs> yeah, the but other like, thing... Oh, but sorry. yeah, like, no, no, it's fine. Like, like she... Gosh, she's just, she's just the worst reporter. Absolutely. Yeah, she's, she's not good. The other thing is, is like Shredder and Bioven and Rocksteady, they're stealing Freon for this plan. But then Crank says that won't work. But then he says to use plan B. So like, Crank calls plan him an a. idiot. Yeah, was plan A stealing the Freon? Exactly. Like that Who means told them to steal the Freon in the first place? <laughs> exactly. What? What is Operation Ice Station? We have no idea. They keep saying it, but I have no idea what I fe- Operation I feel Ice like, Station is. I feel like it, Ice Station was just to fix the AC in the Technodrome. That's probably it. Yeah. I feel like that was it. But then, like, why are they stealing Freon from people's ACs when they can go and, like, steal it from a place that sells Freon? Like, why, what is the point of this whole cover of AC workers? I mean, they just go and steal the new chemical they need 
from a place why don't they just go steal the free and, and that was the other thing is like they it, it's implied that they set it up as this whole business and that they've actually been doing this scheme for a while enough for them to like take over the ac repairs of all these city like all these buildings in the city it's like the most legitimate thing they've done this entire like they could season. have just kept doing this and got money yeah <laughs> Maybe just bought some of the new stuff they needed for the tech. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll use our profits from our AC repair to just repair our AC. <laughs> yeah. <It's crazy>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. I don't know. It just made zero sense. It. I mean, it's a cartoon for kids. Oh, one hundred percent. Another thing that doesn't make sense are the Elvis aliens. Like it's. It's a. It is a dumb joke. It's a dumb joke for old people. It wasn't funny when we were kids either. And it comes out of nowhere. Like they, why did they kidnap Vernon Vernon? Why why did they get abducted at all? Why, why did they, they tickle, tickle them? them? Yeah, the whole thing. It's weird. And like, because like Elvis was a dated reference in the eighties. Yeah. So, yeah. Strange. And then yeah. they do they do that alien speak you know zorkon gleek narket well no just the whole burn and vernon story itself like side story is just pointless like it really it, i mean it was it was it wasn't a good b-plot it was just <sighs> yeah well, i i almost think that was the a plot that's what this show I, you're right no you're right yeah, yeah. And actually you know what you know you bring up a good point because that was that was something i was thinking when i was watching these these three episodes is the turtles actually aren't in them that much. Like they, they open and close the episodes most of the time, but most of the like inciting action in all the episodes are other people mm -hmm. and the turtles show up to save them or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, you know, Zach is the main character of his episode. Burn is the main character of this episode. Rat King is, you know, the main character of that episode, which like, April is and Irma are in that episode a lot. Right. So yeah. it, it's kind of weird like how much the turtles like aren't really in their own show that much. But Burn and Vernon don't even move the plot for the turtles, though. That's the thing, is like they just have like this B plot that doesn't have anything to do with the turtles until they no, see it's them the a frozen plot, remember. and then get abducted. Yeah, oh, sorry, the a plot. It's the a plot. <laughs> but yeah, like it's and ultimately, like what happens to them isn't interesting because we don't learn. Like we learn there's Elvis aliens, we learn that there's Don Tertelli, which again, if he wasn't named the same thing, you would not know it's the same character. Because mm -hmm. I think he's even voiced by he's he's voiced by Peter Renaday who plays Splinter in this episode, um, and I think in his, I can't remember who voices him in. Uh, great Boldini after that. But like, it's it's the basic like, you know, basic mobster voice yeah. that he does in this episode. Um, and yeah, it's <sighs> this episode, man. Speaking of voices, I, I know I've ragged on Leonardo's voice before, how it gets like, it's gotten real cartoony. Yeah. I feel like the same thing has happened to Rocksteady. Like, it it yeah, pains me and, to listen to Rocksteady, and that's now. and that's Cam Clark. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that's that's Cam Clark, and like I said before, like he's he's fully embracing that this is a stupid cartoon. 
Yeah. And he's going full camp on it. But you're right. Like Rocksteady is just progressively getting more annoying to listen to, mm-hmm. which I don't think is the intention. <laughs> I thought but, it was a voice actor for the, like a different voice actor on this one. I was, no, was going to ask that. Back it's in. him. You know yeah. who actually huh. does sound different is Shredder. I thought that wasn't James Avery for I, like there were a couple a of things of he said that I, I was like that doesn't quite sound like James Avery. But yeah, apparently it is. So. But yeah, I can't I can't find anything that says he was doubled in this episode. Um, they do like switch off like sometimes they'll double for certain characters, but yeah, like I can't find anything that says like this wasn't James Avery in this episode. Hmm. I did think there was a scene missing towards the end of this episode when like the turtles are rocketing out of the sewer and the neutrofreeze explodes behind them like it suddenly is just like a huge column like there's no transition of like the, oh yeah yeah, yeah. like there, there, yeah. there was it was yeah. an animation error yeah it just like oh here we go i'm like yep. oh it just it just cuts. Like movie <laughs> it's 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 weird like and it, it's weird to see animation errors like that happen because because ironically like the fifth turtle is is one of the better animated episodes I think I think that is I think that goes back to one of the to- the Toei Studios. Interesting. Yeah, maybe better animated, but yeah, man. it's not a good episode. Yeah, like, and, and like and like I said, like <laughs> nobody likes kid characters. Like no kid likes a kid character. Yeah, Zach is painfully dumb. Like I feel like there's a thing that happens when adults write a teenager or a kid, and to make them a teenager or a kid they just make them either like extra dumb. Well, okay. And that, and that was, that was a weird thing. It's like, Zach is 14. He's a year younger than the turtles. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, like, which, he's so much their minor though. <laughs> which, I mean, but that, and that's what has always annoyed me about, about the turtles is a lot of the time they're written. They're not written as teenagers. Mm-hmm. They're written, like, it's, they're a bunch of old men. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're just, and it's in this show, it's in 2003, you know, it's, they're not written as teenagers. I don't know. In 2003, they're not written. There's people that make that argument, but I, I think they act. I mean, they're not, they're enough. not written. They're not written like kids, like in 2012 and rise. Right. In 2012 so, though. Yeah. They feel more like children, children. They don't feel like teenagers to me. I mean, they're, fi- they're 15 in, in 2012. They're the yeah. same age as these turtles. Yeah, I mean they're the same age as these turtles, but to me they they write them like they're ten year olds. For I mean, me personally, when I watch it, I I can see that. I think like in twenty twelve, like they're stunted fifteen year olds, like shel- sheltered fifteen year olds, not stunted. Um, sheltered, they're sheltered fifteen year olds because they've lived underground for all the time for all years, and they literally go up to the surface for the first time on their fifteenth birthday. Yeah, I think, I think Mike it, Mike is of, just yeah. so immature; it just brings the entire. <laughs> like it brings all of them down a year i mean there's there's that but i mean like yeah. you have leo who's modeling his leadership style after like you know a star trek cartoon yeah. but like do 15 year olds really do that or that feels more like a 10 year old thing i mean me. i know yeah. i've known some i've known some dumb 15 year olds so yeah, yeah i don't know like i said i just feel like there's a speaking thing as a former dumb 15 year old <laughs> yeah i just i don't know to me it feels like there's adults that when they write a teenage character they're like oh it's a teenager i need to make them dumb yes i mean, some, I mean yeah there i mean there is bad. there is that you know there is that that kind of mentality where like writers will just write kid characters as dumb characters mm-hmm. 
Like, I didn't um, understand why did Zach go to the planetarium to warn the turtles that Shredder was going to be there if he knew that Don was going to figure out that Shredder was going to be there and go to the planetarium. And because didn't he have the turtle com at that point? He also, yeah, he could have just freaking called them. No, he couldn't have. He because he gave the turtle com back. No, he had it. That didn't he? No, he gave it back to Raf. He showed him how to make the annoying sound with his detective. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then returned it. Yeah, he he returned it, and and then and then he showed up to the planetarium after they told him, you know, don't put yourself in danger again. All right. Hmm. I I wouldn't have noticed that except for the fact that I watched these episodes. I watched the episode (laughs) I summarized twice. So I had to go through this two times. Oh, oh man, you you poor, poor, <laughs> poor, you poor thing. I <laughs> know. Oh, yeah, but like all my anchovies are just like, Zach, exclamation point, question mark, angry face. <laughs> I, yeah, I well, them. It, they take off their masks right when they leave the store for some reason instead of like waiting till they get in the sewers. That's a small anchovy, but it's like, why did you guys take it right after leaving the store? Because you're still out in public. I thought that too. What? Yeah. There's yeah. there's a lot of the turtles, you know, doing stuff in daylight again. I mean, and how does Zach know like everything about the Ninja Turtles? Even though apparently it seems like at least in the world of this episode, they're pretty much still cryptids. You know, like there's still a question of whether they exist or not. Apparently, and they haven't been on TV. And, it, and, uh, and it's, yeah, and it's weird because like they were in broad daylight in the last episode when they saved Plink's pizzeria. Yeah. So, you know, there's still some something like a cryptid or something. And so I feel like he shouldn't be able to like know their names and be able to identify them all if people aren't even sure if they're real or not. Yeah. 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 And I mean like the only there was there was that episode with what's his face where they went on the where they went on his talk show. And like, oh yeah, maybe uh, Zach watched that show and wrote down all their names because he thought they were cool. Like maybe, but then they're on TV, and so why are people questioning whether they exist? Or yeah, not? exactly. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like we said, we've said multiple times, the show can't decide how they want the turtles to be treated. Yeah. Are they menaces to society, or are they, you know, are they hidden? Are they, yeah. A lot of people dump on it, but Turtles Forever still got it right when the turtles run out in public and everyone pulls them back and they're like, what are you guys, stupid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Ninjas. No, I got the, the part. I mean, I, I'd say that when people make the argument that they're not necessarily in character in that show, I like in that movie, I would agree. Uh, but at the same time, when you are upset with it for making fun of it, when this show very openly makes fun of itself all the time, like it, it breaks. It's getting to the point where like every wall, every episode at least has one fourth wall break, you know, whether it's someone being like, ah, who wrote your dialogue, you know, which is also in this episode. That's right. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. And but that's, it, that's always kind of a thing in, in kids cartoons and like, yeah, but I mean, you... an, Animania, Animaniacs does that. And, but that's, that's also part of like, I want to say that's part of their power set is knowing that they're a cartoon yeah and, and there's like, ways where it's played well but in this show it almost feels is, like a like, way to this is like lazy pre-deadpool <laughs> this is like this is like the prototype deadpool yeah but like i said in this show it almost seems like it's getting to the point where they're using it as a way to cover up lazy writing instead of just like trying to actually write a good story you know because uh, it's always know, just words here and there and they're i like, think Arr. i think i've heard that before actually 
I think I heard that officially. That's I, what it was. <laughs> I want to. I want to say I heard because I've I've been to a couple uh, of Rob Paulson who plays Raphael. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been to a couple of his his live podcasts where he did like the anniversary turtle episode and he had the mm-hmm. cast back. And I want to say they joked that that was an actual reason why they wrote those jokes in. It's because oh, wow. they just didn't care when they were writing. <laughs> because like they couldn't think of something and it was a stupid premise anyway. So they just made a joke about it. Yeah. And so like, it just gets to the point where it feels lazy. You know, it's like, all right, I get it. You didn't I, know yeah, what to write. It, when it happens so often, yeah, I think so. And, it's, and especially because we're getting so many episodes in this season that it feels like there are so many of these jokes back to back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't even feel clever anymore. It doesn't. It, it's more clever when they do it in Turtles Forever than when it's in this show. <laughs> <laughs> when you've got Raph looking at the, the camera saying... Well, because I think... I mean, yeah, It's not God, true. We I, shower regularly. Yeah. That's one of my that's one of my favorite jokes, and like when Hun freaks out, who are you talking to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's one of my favorite jokes. Um, but like, it works in it works in two thousand three because like we don't like because we're you know fans of two thousand three at that point. Like, like kids who grew up on on that show, like they knew about eighty seven, but like seeing them, like we're seeing them through the 2003 turtles eyes so it's like oh yeah these guys are are stupid yeah well and it's not even just that but it's it's one of those things where people like upset that you know they disrespected the 1987 series and it's like this series kind of disrespected itself yeah like this <laughs> like don't like yeah. don't worry guys this show will be fine yeah. it doesn't need you to defend it yeah like <laughs> yeah it's 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 a bad it's a bad show guys there are fun things in this show and I grew up on it. Keith grew up on it. We've a lot of us have grown up on this show, but it's not a good show. No, it's yeah. On average, it's below average. Like yeah. it was, a, it was a big toy commercial to sell toys. And we speaking even start, we haven't even started talking about the rat king. Episode I know. Yet. Speaking of new toys, we got a new character. Was, to yeah. Now. Speaking of new toys, we got the rat king. Um, I said I said I liked this version better than the Mirage version. I still don't really like this version. <laughs> uh, see, I like the Mirage version way better, but I've you also know, I've think, read farther. Thinking about it, thinking about it, I I think I'm starting to come around on that Mirage version. Yeah. Like well, I think the, I just I just think I just didn't remember how much I didn't like this version of the Rat King. Yeah, and, uh, and once we get into City at War, it elevates Rat King's character like just yeah, a little bit that's what i'm saying like I, i've read ahead into like city of war and then he, he shows up a couple of times and like tales volume two and stuff so mm-hmm. I, I think i just know more about him that's why i like him a little more in that in mirage than in this cartoon i really don't like the the pied piper angle of the rat king i, it, I hate it, that it, weird it, clarinet it yeah. feels like it's been done before i can't think of anything that has done it but it's like uh, the flash uh, the pied piper in that i mean it's a yeah. it's a old trope you know yeah like it feels like it feels like batman's got a pied piper villain like even like spider-man probably has a pied piper yeah. villain like it just a lot of this just feels like we've seen these before mm-hmm. yeah and i mean the it doesn't even like it necessarily ever explain the pipe or anything like that like we just have this guy who they paint out as like a crazy homeless guy well, in the we're, sewer we're with supposed to just assume it's a pied piper thing like it's 
I mean, I don't know how many kids nowadays know the Pied Piper, but like when I was younger, that was a story I was aware of. Yeah, no, I was aware of it too. And like, I get that we're just supposed to assume that, but where did he, where did it come from? Like, why does it control the rats? Like, I would be surprised if that pipe was from Dimension X. (laughs) Krang's like, where's where's my pipe? Where's my pipe to control rats? Shredder, you dropped it down the sewer? Now some homeless guy's gonna get it. Yeah. <laughs> it was Shredder the whole time. Shredder gave him the pipe. Yep. I'm, yep. I'm 100% sure. <laughs> I did like this episode, but like the very beginning and the very end, I had complaints about the very beginning. I was like, stop saying editorial. Yeah. <laughs> Keep God, saying they said editorial, editorial so much. <laughs> like, I want, I want to say that's where I first heard the word editorial. <laughs> <laughs> In the very end, I, I felt like the plot just kind of petered out at the end. They were like, oh, uh, yeah. bomb they, goes they off, absolute, everybody runs away. They absolutely got tired. Like, that's why April got out on her own. And yeah, the whole story kind of resolved itself. Yeah, yeah. Like, the turtles didn't do anything in this episode. Yeah. And, like, even though this episode kind of feels a little different than the other ones, at least, because there's no Shredder and Krang, we have, like, the opportunity to, like, tell a new story with this new villain. But then April just gets kidnapped by the villain again, yep. and the turtles need to go and save her. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same plot. <laughs> it's like, oh, you could have done something different. Yeah. You have a new villain, and like, and you can see like they the whole Splinter angle, like him controlling Splinter and him being like, oh, there's a giant rat man who's a ninja master. Which, by the way, April tells him, yeah, after he's introduced himself as the Rat King who can control rats. She says that the turtle's ninja master is a rat. Yes. And then, but then of course, (laughs) once again, in all of the mind control episodes, what beats out mind control is the power of love. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Because I thought Leo was just like, I'm not going to fight you. And Splinter overcame the mind control at the last second and hit the pipe instead. Yeah, but was Leo goading him into that and ducked out of the way? I think so. Okay, I like that less. But either way, it's it's the power of love and or rushing water and or rushing water that defeats all mind control. At least, at least it's not the power of love again. If it was rushing water, I guess. <laughs> right. <sighs> I I just I yeah. These episodes are episodes. It feels like we say this every week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of want to try and bring something fresh and not just try and rag on them for the majority of the episode, but it's kind of hard well, not to sometimes. How about we give it a shot in I Love Being a Turtle? Let's do it. I love being a turtle! So in this episode, it was cool to see Bebop in the SNK uniform. I don't know why just seeing characters in no. different clothes when they always That's, wear the same clothes is fun. I, That's the only thing I have written down for Burns Booth is, is Bebop in his refrigeration. I, <laughs> I get the and we've I get the impression and I think they've been kind of setting it up that Bebop is definitely the smarter of the two. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like just by like a hair. Yeah. I I feel like it's more than a hair. I think I think Bebop is still dumb, but I think Rocksteady is insanely dumb. Yeah, I mean the distance is definitely growing between the two. The gap, you know, of it, it how feels, intelligent it feels they like are. Splinter. It feels like Shredder trusts Bebop more than than Rocksteady. That's yeah. true. Bebop usually gets to drive and whatnot. Exactly. So, yeah. 
Yeah, he looks he looks so dapper. He looks like he's doing a good job. He's yeah, making, like he making good he money. Looks like he's enjoying himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there was one more of them, then Bebop would be the Mo of of the Three Stooges. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, you got Shredder, Bebop, and Mo. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that would make Shredder the Mo. <laughs> that would. Well, that makes would Bebop it, Curly. Would it? Yeah. No, not Curly. <laughs> that makes Bebop Larry, and Rocksteady Curly. <laughs> there we go how to get their name straight yeah that was that was all i had for this episode was that that sweet uniform he had on it was yeah. it was good um it looks good mine's kind of a gen- uh, general uh i love being a turtle i really liked how much we got our boy vernon in these episodes there's just there was a lot of good vernon fenwick in, in, the, in these two and uh two of these three episodes See, Good and Vernon and Fenwick don't live in the same city. Oh, he's, he's <laughs> enjoyable. He's enjoyable. I mean, especially in Burns Blues, like him being like him, him being, for lack of a better term, Burns' bottom. <laughs> like it was, I, I really enjoyed those two kind of, you know, walking the beat and. Burn trying to be the top, the tough guy, and Vernon just one hundred percent like I don't know, Mister Thompson. It's, it's a weird buddy comedy. It, sure. it it's it's a it's a weird dynamic. Um, it's it's a weird sycophant dynamic, and it's like it's not quite like Starscream and Megatron. Like, but it's but it's still funny, and I and like I said, I like Vernon. He's a stupid character, but he's just, he's so sassy. Yeah. And I'm one of those people like I could survive with, and maybe it's just because I didn't grow up with this series. And so they're just not staples to me. Well, like, like, I, I, didn't, could... I didn't like Vernon when I was younger. It wasn't until I was much older that I'm like, Vernon's not bad. It's, it's, it's watching these episodes now for the podcast. Like, I'm like, you yeah, know, Vernon's not that bad. You either die the hero or you grow your, you grow up and watch yourself become the villain, Mike. <laughs> Am I the villain now because I like because I'm because I'm the number one Vernon stand on the yeah, internet? Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Hokum Hare, Rex One, and Vernon Fenwick. That's my three. No, I like I said I genuinely like Vernon. I think he is I think he is probably my favorite my favorite character now. What about in the, the uh, what about at played by Will Arnett? Do you like him then? Yes, actually. Oh, all right. But I also really love Will Arnett. I do like Will Arnett too. He's he's a funny guy. I will no, I will I will stand for those for those movies. Oh. For for 2014 and 2016. I will definitely They're not as they're not as bad as everyone says they are. I will they're say not. That the much. first they're not good. They're, they're not, not good, good movies, but they no. are fun movies which I've said multiple times. I mean, you can really that make is what's that important. argument for the second one. And I don't know. I, I like to have something a little bit better than just being fun for Ninja Turtles. But I mean, and granted, yeah, like I would love a good Ninja Turtles movie. You know, mm-hmm. we've gotten, you know, originally, yeah, the, the original trilogy are the good turtle movies. 2007 is all right. In my opinion, I liked it more when I was younger, mm-hmm. but as I get older, yeah, it's it's kind of boring. Outs- outside of the Raph and Leo fight, it's yeah, a boring movie. That's my that's my issue with that movie is I always boil it down to the two minute fight. Yep, I don't know that, though. Man, like it's Raph, so good though. 
Raph fighting the little alien, like the little monster. Like that yeah, scene yeah. is the fantastic. Jersey Devil. Yeah, that scene's fantastic. Yeah. Him being night, like the Night Watcher at the beginning is great. The Night know. Warrior? Not night Watcher. Watcher. I, yeah, I really enjoy that movie. Um, it's 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 not bad. It's just it's okay. Yeah. Like I don't it, know. It, just, it it feels like it was it didn't want to be a turtles movie. It just it was a movie about the the freaking was it all the planets aligning and opening up the dimension to all the monsters. Like and it's like what do those monsters have anything to do with the Aztec warriors that these guys yeah. were? They oh, came no, out of the per- portal. Speaking speaking of planets aligning, yeah. Uh, Fifth Turtle is all about the planets aligning, right? Yep. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I love this part. I, I cracked up because Krang is telling the planet to shredder. We're going to align the planets, use the crystals, whatever. He's got this big, funky Dimension X machine, but it's just a reel-to-reel projector. Like <laughs> It makes the reel-to-reel sound. It, it yep, boots yep. up and everything. I was like, what? What a crazy machine to just be a reel-to-reel projector. <laughs> it's like they, I mean, this this is kind of a thing in, in a lot of a lot of '80s cartoons. Is, you know, they just machines are just kind of reverse engineered for from things we already know. Yeah. You know, but like a lot of Donatello's like big machines are just big boxes with extra wheels on it. Yeah. Like the rat catching machine at the end of Enter the Rat King. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, Zach's costume was creative. <laughs> it is. I don't hate Zach as much as everybody else. Um, I, I think his junior boy detective shtick is is cute. Hmm. I want to see the like grown up Venture Brothers version of that. Yeah. <laughs> He's all washed out. <laughs> like, yeah, like that would be fun to see. <laughs> I, I, I want to say Zach stops with the, with the turtle costume later on. Cause he doesn't wear it in great Boldini. Oh, Oh, he has it in uh, night of the rogues. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well then, yeah, he probably just doesn't wear it in Great Boldini then, because that's really only my, only my other <laughs> Zach oh. reference. I know Zach's in in the show a couple times, but Great Boldini is the only other one I remember him in. I was looking it up. I think he's in like ten of them. Which uh, according to his appearance page, it's Fifth Turtle, Great Boldini, The Missing Map, Shredderville, Bebop and Rocksteady, Conquer the Universe, Zach and the Alien Invaders, and Night of the Rogues. Oh, that's 10 more than I would have liked, but I'll live with it. <laughs> He's going to be here a couple more times just yes. for you. Some of those episodes sound amazing, and some of them just sound a little uninspired, like Zack and the Alien Invaders. Shredderville. Shredderville. Bebop and Rock City Conquer the Universe sounds awesome. Yeah. Sounds like a couple comics we've had of Bebop yeah. and Rock City. Which are great, honestly. Like yep, those the comics and destroy and, everything. Yeah, those comics and their their micro series issue like made me actually like Bebop and Rocksteady for the first like, time. That's the thing, like I love Bebop and Rocksteady when like they can be dumb, but like being dumb and a threat is a lot more interesting than just being dumb. Yeah. Right. Yeah, when they become like almost like destructive forces of nature that just like can't be stopped, that's when they become more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Zach was voiced by Rob Paulson, who plays uh, Raphael. 
Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing else. Uh, Enter Rat King, just a lot of fun. Um, my favorite episode of the three. Uh, it was it was fun. Not only Vernon, but also Irma got to, you know, she got right up into the Rat King's face. Yeah, she kind of saves the day by stepping on his foot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Accidentally, to be honest, I thought she was going to be thirsty for the Rat King. <laughs> oh, I did too. I oh, expected absolutely. it. I'm a little disappointed it didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, he is male and has a pulse, so you would think that. Not only that, he's hunky. Oh, yeah. He's a beefcake. Like, he is not he is not the ragged, you know, decomposing man that he is in Mirage. Yeah. He really he pulls is, off the is... like burlap and bandages really well. Like it's a hard look. I've tried, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, man, when you have those rats, you know, go and collecting those weights from the gym for you. Yeah. Uh, you, you can, you can get that big. <laughs> you think he just like lifts a bunch of rats like they just all like pile in his hand. I'm just curious. Yeah. He has them pile around his arm and he just like yeah. lifts these giant balls of rats. <laughs> I'm just curious what he I'm just curious what he eats all the time. Ratatouille. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you're now you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I you like that know how was... to get gains. Yeah. Eat nothing ratatouille. but ratatouille and lift rat balls on your that's, hands. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Wear soda bombs on your chest. <laughs> I like too that he was trying to make a ratocracy. Yeah. Your kingdom. Like I said, there were a lot of fun rat puns in this in these episodes or in this episode. One really, really strange thing I like about this episode is, is that it's raining. Like it's always just sunny in New York. Yeah. But like for this episode, it's consistently raining, which kind of gives it a different atmosphere, I think. Yeah. yeah. It was it was it was kind of cool. Like because especially because we just had like the heat wave and burns blues. Yeah. Well, and that, that's the thing about this was, and even though it did use the kidnapping April trope again, it actually felt refreshing compared to all the other episodes we've watched. Like for the first time in a while watching these episodes, I felt like I was watching something new and just at least different from what came before it. Yeah. I mean, I want to say that specifically because Shredder and Krang weren't in it. So yeah. it felt different. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were just, we were just talking earlier about how S and K you know, S and K air conditioning or whatever, like we knew that would be Shredder and Krang. Yeah. And you that's, that's one of the other points though that I like making is that like Ninja Turtles really needs other big bad guys besides Shredder and Krang. Absolutely. And, and we've done it with Bishop. We've done it with Noel. And like, I think they're great villains. Like in the IDW series, they're kind of getting a bit of what you could call a rogues gallery from that. And that's and, the thing is like the turtles the turtles have a rogues gallery it's just nobody cares beyond shredder yeah no mm-hmm. i mean whenever you use a villain beside shredder someone will make the comment of it's it, you know it was boring it was a bad villain yeah like memorable. where, where was shredder care. yeah where was shredder you know like you know bringing it back i guess to the 2007 movies again a lot of people complain about the villain in that movie and honestly he does about as much in that movie as Shredder does in the 1990 movie. You know, he's kind of just in the background the whole time and then comes at the end, except for in this, there's not a twist that he's their, you know, long lost enemy that killed Hamato Yoshi. Instead, he is not actually that bad a guy and wants to die. Yeah. 
I, I had never realized until you said it, Spencer. And I, I didn't realize when you said it, I was thinking about it later. I'm like, that is a weird reveal that like Shredder is Oroku Saki in that movie. Cause like, I just feel like I've known that my entire life. So you cannot surprise me with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they play it up as like this. Oh man, it's the guy from the story. Like, yeah. Strange. Yeah. And so Yoshi, it's, it's kind of the same thing there. You know, they're about the same in their stories. So I just don't exactly get why he's suddenly like such a worse villain than Shredder is. Other than I guess maybe you don't like the idea that, you know, living immortal makes you want to die after maybe so you long. Just hate Patrick Stewart. That's, maybe you just hate know. Patrick Stewart. The voice cast in that. Anyway, we won't talk about that movie till we get to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're jumping ahead here. We're jumping ahead. We need to watch. We need to watch Turtles in Time first. So is that is that it for these? I I think episodes? I think that's it because I'm dying I'm dying to get into the news this week. Yeah, let's yeah. get into the news. This is April O'Neil of Channel Six. All right, guys. In Mike, a Mike, you start. week, I'll keep going in the background. In uh, a week, let me tell you. First of all, thank you everybody who has uh, shared that post yesterday that I put on uh, the page. Um, so as we know, I am the toy guy of the group. So in a toy week news, I'm going to start off with that thing that everybody's been sharing. Um, so DreamX, who made those really cool one six scale uh, turtle figures, uh, want to say about six years, six, seven years ago, um, that are kind of loosely based on 2003 turtles. Um, so DreamX is a company in China Uh, who specifically there is a different toy market specifically just for China. Um, And uh, yesterday I got a tip that there is a show um, that DreamX is going to be at and they announced they're doing kind of Gundam model kits of the turtles. And I think they look absolutely amazing. I as a Gunpla builder, I am 100% into these designs. Um, they're kind of based on like Gundam Seed. Um, I'm seeing like a little bit of like the Gundam Astray in there. Uh, a couple sand rocks from Gundam Wing. A uh, lot of cool designs. Um, friend of mine and I were joking about Leos because if you know Gundam, you know Leos. Um, but yeah, like it's it's really cool to see that and. Uh, we don't know anything as of right now. The show hasn't started yet. Um, so we don't know anything about pricing. Uh, from what I kind of gather, these are going to be, I don't want to say they're 1 100 scale. They're probably going to be one between 140, 1 144 and 1 100, which if you know Gundams, that's about five inches to about eight inches. Um, and Usually those kits for Gundams are about 20 to 50, 60 dollars. Because these are going to be imports, because these are again only for China. Uh I'm I'm guessing that's gonna push the price up. So I'm personally seeing 60 to maybe a hundred dollars a kit, which is a lot to swallow, but I mean these are really unique. Mike, I'm glad yeah. you know all the stuff about Gundam and, and building <laughs> stuff because I'm. I just saw the pictures, like, oh, those are pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw them. I, 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 I can was, tell you so much about Gundams. Yeah, I saw them and I was like, 
why does why does a giant robot need a cape? But also at the same time, I'm here for it. It looks it really looks cool. super cool. And of course, <laughs> it would be Donatello, the weeb of the group. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Michelangelo's the weeb. No, Donatello, one hundred percent, is the weeb. Dude, My, in Michelangelo, IDW, Michelangelo Michael... thinks anime is cool. Donatello lives anime. Michelangelo is the one that gets excited when he learns he can read Japanese in the IDW series because he can now read manga like in Japanese. All right. I mean, that's weeby, but Donatello, you know, Donatello lived Isekai into a robot. So. All right. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry. I'm urban dictionarying everything you guys are saying. Okay. Got it. So you um, do I, that. I, I think Michelangelo is on the side of a non-Japanese male who watches and is a fan of anime. But I believe Donatello is the one with the waifu. So I think... Yes, there you go. It's it's a 50-50 split. It, it's a toss-up. Michelangelo is definitely an otaku, but Donatello is the weeb. No. Don, Donatello is the yada yada of the group. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, you know, I've always seen... Donatello. Urban Dictionary. How do you spell otaku? <laughs> <laughs> the way I see it, though, Donatello... Is is the nerd, and Michelangelo is the geek, you know, like like yeah. Donatello is into computers and into like engineering and building things and figuring out how things work. Michelangelo is like pop culture. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So that's what I'm saying. Like Michelangelo would would like anime, but Donatello would live anime. All right, if you say so. <laughs> so for, for those of you that aren't into into anime and Gundam, uh, they're really badass looking robots. So go check them out. Yeah, they're super cool. <laughs> uh, we posted the pictures on uh, the Ninja Turtle Power Hour Facebook page. Um, definitely check them out. As I find out more, I will try and update about pricing. Um, I, I talked to the guy I usually import my toys through. Um, I know he's carried the Dream X figures before. So when I sent these to him, he was like, oh, yeah, I remember that company. I'm kind of hoping that he can get these. Uh, if they do, I will definitely post a link to their uh, page. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> these are super awesome. In other cool. toy news, uh, so it's been a big week over at NECA. Um, we got the new reveal of the final week of pre-orders for uh the cartoon turtle line which this week were uh <laughs> i totally forgot for a second uh because i don't really like these characters uh scumbug and antrax who scumbug i barely remember and antrax i have no recollection of uh they both show up in the 88 87 series for one episode yeah and it's like we're definitely getting into the lesser known characters for the NECA tune line, which we all kind of knew would happen, which I, I, I don't know why they're going in the order that they are um, because it's kind of, it's a lot of, a lot of people are just kind of like, huh? You know, like Ace Duck was never really in the show and he was the one a couple weeks ago, which is kind of eh. Um, what are we going to get? Uh, was it Hop Along and Half Court? I mean, and that's the thing is like, there's all these characters who are more memorable, like, uh, like Zach, for example. 
you know yeah. granted like who really wants a toy of zach but like who wants a toy of scumbug and antrax scumbug at least had a playmates toy but like antrax antrax had a toy did he i'm pretty sure i can't remember that i i remember the scumbug one though but yeah, uh, so those are currently uh, up for pre-order right now. Um, so NECA did say that all of these figures are going to be at Target eventually. Um, they just got the first dibs because they were able to put these on their site for pre-order before Target put their pre-order in. So we got a little bit more of an idea on how uh, the exclusivity deal works, which is why they were able to put up some older ones that Target doesn't seem to be interested in reordering. So a little bit more, like I said, a little bit more idea on how the toys exclusivity deals work with Target. Uh, it's still frustrating because it is still super hard to find the figures in Targets. Um, I still can't find the Turtles in Disguise 4-pack. <laughs> I've been checking my Targets every day. Finally made friends with uh, the people in that section. But yeah, that sucked. Yeah, it's... I mean, from my end, it's really interesting. You know, like I just follow the toy drama and people's complaints here mm-hmm. and I, I keep up with it. And I'm just like, man. Well, speaking of that is, drama, here ordeal. we go. <laughs> speaking of that drama. So in, uh, in the other half of the NECA toy news, uh, <laughs> the long awaited uh, figure that we've been kind of getting updates from Judith Hogue, who played April in the 1990 movie. Wow, we finally got the full reveal of the April O'Neil figure. Um, the video actually leaked about an hour early. So we found out that there was going to be an exclusive version, uh, limited, uh, exclusive limited edition version that seemed to have the raincoat that she wears at the beginning of the movie and, and an autograph uh, of like a fake press pass for April. Um, which was actually signed by Judith Hogue, which we knew she would be signing some of these. Um, what we didn't know until a little bit later was that these were limited edition to 2,000 pieces only, and that the raincoat was only going to be in that limited edition version. NECA did explain on Twitter right before these went live was that the raincoat was kind of out of the budget for the figure, um, and that's kind of why it wasn't in the standard release because if they did it, they wouldn't be able to keep the figure at the $30 price point, which personally for me was okay because I didn't really want the, the, the raincoat because she doesn't even wear it with this outfit that she sculpted in anyway. So it's not even accurate. I just personally more wanted her, the autograph. So I was like, okay, cool. 2000 pieces, I can do it. Uh, it finally drops at eight o'clock or we finally get the news at eight o'clock that it's going to, you know, we watched the video limited to 2000 and then it was going to go live at 12 o'clock Eastern, which was 9am my time. And I get to the site, I load it up and it was a hundred dollars and I could not pull the trigger. What, what was that ring made of? I mean, uh, and it just it looks like you know just <laughs> vinyl, like just a cheap. Yeah, vinyl. no, I know. Yeah, but, but I mean, I'm sure but the signature is what 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 bumped it up. I mean, absolutely, and and this has kind of been the drama for the last couple of days. Has been, you know, it's raincoat gate basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> everybody's been super upset about this raincoat that is only offered in this in the exclusive edition, you know, exclusive signature edition. Um, that sold out 
I thought it sold out instantly. Apparently it didn't. There was a glitch on the website. So it was actually available for stories are varying from two to 20 minutes. Uh, for me, I wasn't able to purchase it. One, because I couldn't pull the trigger fast enough. And two, um, I was doing it on my phone because I didn't have access to my computer at the time. And the add to cart button wouldn't work. So I just couldn't do it. And then there's, there's ways around it, but you know, it's harder on your phone to be, you know, super computer savvy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know NECA's site pretty well. So I know how to like just change the URL. It's just harder on your phone to do it. It's not as fast. So I was like, you know what, it's going to take me too long to try and do this. Um, I was, you know, stopped between stops on my way to work. So I was like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm going to be okay if I don't do it. I'll, I'll meet Judith at some con someday and I'll get her to sign my standard version. But that's not the story that a lot of people will tell you because they are very upset that they did not get this version. And let me tell you, the only thing it is, it added to the fire when these things started popping up on eBay, all these pre-order confirms, you know, when I first checked, in fact, you guys, you guys asked me like, oh, I wonder what it's going to be on eBay. And I took that screenshot and I sent it to you and it was already up to 900 bucks. Yeah. Which is uh, nuts. It's, it's, it's absolutely nuts. And I, I want to say a lot of these are, are, are bogus, you know, a lot of, or, or just people being stupid because like since then I've seen it go up to $10,000 <laughs> which obviously is bogus and no one's going to pay that much. But what is sad is that there are people who are paying several hundred dollars uh, for, for the figure, because now there are sold listings for the signature figure. And a lot of people, a lot of people are super bummed about this and very angry and very vocal about how they were promised, you know, this accurate April figure and, you know, it's a cash grab and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, you were promised an April figure and it, it's, it is available to pre-order. Like the standard version, I can go on the website right now. You can go on after you listen to this episode and still go get it. It's an open two-week pre-order for the standard April version, which is $30. And also comes packed with stuff. The only thing it doesn't have is that raincoat that she didn't wear with this outfit. And only at the beginning of the movie. And the signed press pass, which arguably is worth more than the, than the raincoat. So I, I get why people are upset, but this is also no different than a San Diego, you know, SDCC exclusive that they would have had yeah. at their booth, which if we don't have a con this year, this is basically the San Diego exclusive. So I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to feel bad for a lot of the people that are uh, genuinely upset. Like I'm happy for the people that got it. I'm not happy for the scalpers that got it, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's also, it's not the end of the world. And I really, what I'm really sick of seeing is the people who are upset and calling it a cash grab when it's like, it's, we don't know enough about toy production to know how much that raincoat costs. And also too, have you ever been to a convention and met a celebrity? Like you're going to pay $25 minimum to get their autograph. Mm -hmm. And Judith, Judith, uh, some, some other dudes who've gotten her autograph says she charges $60 for her autograph. So that's it right there. 30 to a hundred dollars. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell people. Like 
it the the toy collecting community, especially NECA fans, like guys, like you're not being lied to. You know, it's the they NECA surprisingly is very upfront about a lot of their stuff, and it's just it's I'm I'm a firm believer in critiquing validly like hit NECA for things like you know the paint getting stuck on the joints because they painted them the plastic they use fusing and snapping because it's super brittle and you have to you know basically boil your figure as soon as you open it like hit them for things like that but for them they delivered exactly what they promised and they had this extra thing that wasn't promised. It was a surprise. I will say what did suck is that we only found out an hour before the, uh, before the pre-orders were live for this exclusive version. And so a lot of people missed out on it just on that virtue. Like I said, I was going to work. If I didn't, if, you know, if I didn't do this for a living, basically I would have missed out entirely and not even tried to get it. So I'll hit him for that, for not letting us know at least like the day before so we could plan. But it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I, just, I don't know what to say. Like it, the toy drama this week has been crazy. Yeah. Do we have any- it, it's only been two days by the time we're, like, we're recording this on Thursday. This just got announced on Tuesday. Do we have any non-NECA toy news? We sure do, because to lighten this load, Super 7 finally came out and revealed everything for Wave 5. And uh, I want to say I got uh, one out of my my four guesses. So uh, we got the full lineup. It is Krang, Leo the Sewer Samurai, Leatherhead, and I forgot my fourth one. (laughs) Ray Filet. <laughs> and Ray Filet. <laughs> uh, which Ray Filet I forgot because I never had the Ray Filet figure when I was younger. Never had the Leatherhead either, but uh, I'm super excited for this wave. Uh, I Leo the Sewer Samurai was one of my all-time favorite action figures. Uh, very, very excited for that one. Uh, I love the way Krang looks. It looks so good. Like, the it, it's everything that we kind of wanted the original Krang figure to be like, you know, it, it's ball jointed legs. So they're not just forward and backwards. The arms, you know, are, are ball jointed comes with multiple hands. It has the plunger gun that, you know, fits the turtles heads perfectly because right. it's the dome shape. Like I'm super excited for that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Even comes with this weird little tripod stand that it had in the first couple episodes. Which is which is weird because the toy never had that. So I'm kind of curious why Super Seven did it. But at the same time, I'm not complaining. Uh, right. I don't have the NECA Krang, but I'm definitely getting this Krang. <laughs> super super excited. I'm I'm definitely getting Leo. Definitely getting Krang. Uh, I'm probably going to get Ray Filet. Uh, just because, like I said, I never had that figure, but this looks so good that I'm, cool. I'm I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, Leatherhead, like I said, didn't have the figure. And when I was thinking about how I want, wanted Super 7 to update it, I was really hoping that they would have straightened him out so he wasn't always hunched over. Uh, because that was that was one of the things with the with Super 7 is that they're giving all the all the figures you know 
Playmates was very famous for pre-posing the legs mm-hmm. and, you know, making those figures super annoying to stand and pose. I was really hoping they would have straightened Leatherhead out and so that they would give us the articulation to create the hunched over pose. But at the same time, I could stand him up straight if I wanted to. It doesn't seem like they did that. And I'm a little disappointed. A lot I didn't of people also really... Oh, good. I didn't have Leatherhead when I was a kid, but I, I got one in a lot of toys I bought a couple of years ago, but he's mm. missing the top of his head. Which is way scarier. Uh, than oh, who was originally? <laughs> oh no, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, this is big gaping bottom jaw. Uh, horrifying. And speaking so speaking of the jaw, um, I think myself and a lot of people learned uh, when we saw when we saw the high res photos of the new Leatherhead. Uh, we didn't. I guess we didn't realize that uh, the Playmates toy Leatherhead had human teeth. <laughs> because oh, that is what that yeah uh so the i guess the old playmates toy like they're because it's smaller and because of the way it's sculpted and painted it doesn't look like human teeth but <laughs> but the new one uh they are very much human teeth and I it is like very gross human teeth on a crocodile is way I, more scary than sharp teeth it's it's just an alligator i mean but it's like it's perfectly playmates because it's that weird like it's it's that weird grossness that playmates was kind of known for doing in the turtles line mm-hmm. but yeah it just it's <laughs> yeah it almost looks like his front teeth are human teeth but then they get more like alligator on the way back on the original toy it's you know, they're but... it's not good looking all the way around yeah. it's horrifying um and it, and it crosses that just ugly enough that I don't want it. <laughs> you know? Those eyes are what get me. The the giant red with the orange pupil. It, yeah. It looks it, it It makes me, and, and that's what sucks is because I was really looking forward to this one and because I missed the NECA one and I really was hoping that I could add this one to the collection, but I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna have to skip it. Uh, another another kind of bummer thing about this wave is that this is the first wave that is going to be hit by the new price increase. Uh, Brian Flynn, who runs Super 7, told us a little while ago that the uh, prices for plastics, especially the plastics that they use in their toys, has gone up across the board. And he was, and he was very candid about how we're going to see it across the industry, if not this year, uh, you know, very soon. And he was right. So this is the first wave that is going to be under the new pricing, which is $55 up from 45. And that really, that really does hurt because that, you know, it's, that's an extra 10 bucks a figure. That's an extra $30 for the three figures I'm buying in this wave that, and you know, people who buy the whole wave, you know, it used to be 200. It's, you know, 240 now or two, uh, two something, yeah. Uh, it was 179. Now it's two two twenty. Yeah, and cost and of you- cost of materials is going up like on so many things right now because of COVID, as well as like things that got held up still from yep. that ship that was stuck. Yeah, uh, it's it's insane. I work construction, and so like so many materials and things like that cost way more money than they were before. Uh, it's it's happening across all sorts of. 
uh, industries in general. Now, yeah. do we know if they are going to add a raincoat to any of these? How much of a contract? <laughs> no, no. I assume four hundred dollars a figure at that point. Yeah, yeah. When when the price gets a little bit more up there, they'll they'll do it that way. Man, I'm just looking at the picture that like Mike just sent us in the chat of like <laughs> zoomed up on Leatherhead's face. <laughs> it's it's horrible. It's a cursed. That is. Like, I don't want that figure because I feel like it would maybe like kill me in my sleep. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I can't, I can't do it. It's just ugly enough. Like, cause Bebop, Bebop is ugly, but he's like acute ugly. This is, this is just horrifying. Yeah. Like one of these is going to end up in one of those like paranormal museums these days, (laughs) (laughs) you know, as as like a cursed doll that curses you. It's going to yeah. be like in a, in a thousand years when an alien race finds the ruins of our civilization, they're going to find this thing and be like, this is, this was the the bad guy of their religion, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that is, uh, th- that's, that's the three biggest toy news this week. It, it's, it's been a week, let me tell you. Uh, but I, I, I mean, thoroughly, I'm excited. I'm going to get that April. Um Without the raincoat, obviously. Uh, I haven't pre-ordered it yet. It is an open pre-order. I think May 13th is the cutoff. Um, But two weeks from Tuesday, uh, the 27th, that was. So definitely head over to thenecastore.com. You can pre-order it. It will also be available at Walmart eventually, like the other movie line figures. However, don't even, if you can, you know, just pre-order it here so that you don't have to deal with that headache of trying to find it in a store. Because let's be real, has anybody's Walmart really had these figures? I, you know, I lucked out and went to Walmart. I went to two different Walmarts and they both had Super Shredders and uh, April and, uh, or no, not April, uh, Splinter and Shredder. Well, you should have told me because that is the ones I'm looking for. So thanks, buddy. Oh, I've seen that. I'll show you I've seen them at my Walmart as well. The Super Shredder, not the Splinter. Ah, you guys are killing me. Sorry. That's all right. You gotta live in less populated you know areas, man. Because you know what? These are toys. Exactly. Yeah, these are toys. I don't need them to live. Nobody needs these toys to live. Shh, don't tell them that. You ruined the whole ruse. Oh, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't have said that. I'm the toy guy. I'm sp- toys are <laughs> toys are toys are life. Toys are life. Spencer, anything happening on the comic front? Um, not really. This last week, they did release a graphic, like the graphic novel versions. I don't know the, what's the word I'm looking for? The trade paperback, the second trade paperback of the IDW series that is post issue 100. They're called, oh, they did. Oh, cool. I need to, I need to pick that up. Yeah. Yeah. I just noticed that on their last post, uh, when I was looking. So I missed that. It's kind of hard to keep up on on some of those releases of the trade paperbacks and things, but that is out now. And that is a little easier to pick up late than a comic book is. So (laughs) it's probably not going to hurt that you learned it a little late. (laughs) Uh, But other than that, that's about all I have for news on my end. Uh, I would like to, before we close out, give a shout out to Sarah Shinji Meyer. They sent us some art. And I threw it up on our social media. Go check it out because it's some really great looking art. Uh, back yeah. when I 
first started this podcast, I, you know, told people if they have fan art they want to send into us, like we will post on our socials, tag them in it, uh, and, you know, give them credit and just show people their art because I think it's fun to see fan art. Yeah, like guys, like we love seeing fan art. We love hearing fan theories. You know, please let us know. Like I had a dude on, on Twitter DM me his entire, like, his whole kind of fan fiction for how he wanted to you know deal with turtles and i think i thought it was amazing like that that stuff is cool like we love to hear that kind of stuff and if you want us to talk about it on the show like let us know like we'll post it on the page you know we'll give you a shout out that stuff is what this fandom's all about like we all love turtles Mm -hmm. you know yeah so you can also find more of the stuff from them at s meyer comics so yeah, so definitely go check it out. We posted that on the page uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. So uh, yeah, definitely go check that out. I think they, we posted it on uh, Instagram and Twitter as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I threw it up on all the socials. I Perfect. even made a post of it on Reddit because Reddit loves fan art. Look at you. Yeah. All the socials. Yeah. All the socials, including my <laughs> personal one on, there you go. on Reddit. <laughs> So guys, yeah, definitely hit us up, Ninja Turtle PH on all the socials. Uh, that is where you can find us. So Spencer, what are we doing next time? So next week, we're actually going to take a small break and we're not going to be releasing anything. But the following week, we're going to have a big episode that we're incredibly excited for. We are actually going to be interviewing and talking to Tom Waltz, the writer of the first 100 issues of the IDW Ninja Turtles series as yeah. well as the current series editor I'm and so one of the writers on Last Ronin and, and on oh my gosh so yeah it's the 10th anniversary of the IDW comic this year guys like, yeah and so we were super excited to uh to put this together so we cannot wait to talk to Tom uh so we need some questions though. Yeah. So if you guys have any ideas for questions, send them in to us. We want to get those questions. DM us right on the page. Let us know. So again, those socials, Ninja Turtle PH on Twitter, Instagram, Ninja Turtle Power Hour on Facebook. Definitely let us know your questions. We can't promise that we'll be able to ask everything, but we will do our best to try and get these questions to tom um yeah because that's a that's that's a huge get <laughs> you mm-hmm. know i can't believe the idw series is already 10 years old i know I, like- I can i can remember buying those issues yeah. at my comic book store metropolis comics in bellflower california and <laughs> i remember buying them and then taking them to the park to read and just, just falling like- in love like everything that happens with Ninja Turtles makes me feel so much older. Yeah. <laughs> like 30-year anniversary of the movie, 10-year anniversary of this comic. Mm-hmm. I'm so impossibly old. Yeah, I didn't finally discover the comics until about 2000... I want to say it was like 17. 2017 is when I finally discovered the IDW comics. Mm-hmm. So I'd like read the Mirage ones and stuff before, but I didn't even know they were coming out with a new series. And then was suddenly surprised when I discovered it. And I I can't remember how I he- I can't remember how I heard about it, but I remember just instantly calling my shop and just being like, "Put it in my pull list." 
yeah. all turtles. I don't care. Yeah, I hadn't discovered like, or at least I hadn't gone into a comic book bookshop yet at that time, and I still hadn't like fully taken the plunge. Mm. Uh, comics are great, man. I I love oh, comics. I do too. Support your local comic shop, kids. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of those things that I've really come to love, and a big part of it was reading the Ultimate Collection, uh, and just reading that commentary that Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird had in there and like their mm. love for comics and seeing how much goes into making the medium what it is and like how much really skill and thought it really does take and being able to see that. And it just made me really fall in love with comics. And I went hard after that. See, and like dudes like Tom make those comics that like we just love. So mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to, I, dude, I can't wait to talk to him. That's going to be so awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah, I'm super excited to get to talk to Tom. So, guys, that is in two weeks after uh, you listen to this episode. So, definitely hit us up on those socials. Like I said, Ninja Turtle PH. Uh, if you guys like the show, definitely tell a friend. Leave us a review on the social media or on the podcasting app that you downloaded this from. Um, and, yeah. All right, then. That's all we have to share for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. What a week, right? (laughs) Yeah. And until next time, cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga. Who says there's nothing funny on television?